This is Play-By-Play Cast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play-by-play guys. For play-by-play guys, by I'm told, a play-by-play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now here's the host of Play-by-Play Cast, Todd Bodet. Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay, here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Yes, welcome in Play by Playcast, the very first edition, the inaugural edition, the debut edition of a brand new sports radio podcast. My name is Joel Godet, not Tom Bodet, and uh, thanks for hitting subscribe or download and joining us. Uh, thanks to Sean Sullivan, by the way, our trusty voice guy. Uh, for that open as well. Now, as we quite literally just stated, this is episode one. Here's the tricky thing. There is an episode zero. So if you haven't heard episode zero yet of Play by Playcast, you can go back and take a listen. That's basically the about me section of this podcast. It tells you who I am. It tells you what this is. It tells you why we're here. It tells you how you can find new episodes and where of this podcast and how you can get in touch with the podcast as well. Quick hint on that one, just tweet me at Joel Godet, J-O-E-L-G-O-D-E-T-T, or you can use the hashtag PXPCast. So that is episode zero, but this is episode one, and I am thrilled to finally put this out there. You have no idea. I've, I've had this idea for two and a half weeks now, maybe three weeks now, and have already been doing a couple of interviews and I mean, it's one of those things where you're just stirring. You want to put it out. You want to release the podcast, release the hounds. And you've told yourself, nope, I am doing this on Friday the 17th. And I have had to rein in my horses. Here we go. Friday the 17th. Our first guest today is Carter Blackburn from CBS Sports Network and from CBS. Calls the NCAA tournament, calls college football, college basketball, um, some college baseball he did this year. Carter and I go back a while to when I was in college. Carter's a Syracuse guy. I went to SU, and uh, he came back. I think he did a Syracuse basketball game at one point and came back to campus, and we met that way probably back in, I don't know, 2007 or 2008, and uh, he's been a really good mentor uh, ever since. So when I was thinking about people to have on kind of as guinea pigs, for lack of a better word. I mean, it's a brand new venture. Uh, One of the people I I really wanted to talk to for this was Carter Blackburn. A lot of good insight about how he got to where he is, uh, what he does on a daily basis, how he uh, works with himself to improve, and uh, also some insight about how you can get George Steinbrenner and Bill Raftery and uh, Kenny Mayne to uh, do your voicemail. You know, (laughs) You can call, wait, wait, don't tell me to get a celebrity to do your, your voicemail, or you can you can go to Saratoga. Uh, much more on that coming up here on the very first edition of the very first interview of Play by Playcast. Carter Blackburn, good enough to join us. Take a listen. Well, first off, Carter, uh, thanks for doing this. And uh, I don't know, I didn't tell you this yet, but you're you're the first episode. So congratulations on that. Wow. That's, uh, that's starting, starting at the bottom. Nowhere to go but up. <laughs> Start here and then, you know, uh, end with uh, Marv and Ben and, uh, and then call it a call it a podcast career. I think that I think you've, I think you've given yourself a lot of room to grow. <laughs> I uh, it's funny that you mentioned big names, though, because I want to that's where I want to start with you, because I feel like we can go in a lot of directions. But I want to start with dinner 
I did a little bit of research on kind of your your coming up through your career. The m- most interesting anecdote I found was 2008 for the NCAA tournament when you had the tourney seminar dinner and you were at a table with Nance, Packer, Raff, Vern Lundquist, and you said you felt like Clay Aiken. Uh, <laughs> is that all true? Uh I forgot I said that, but uh, yeah, totally accurate. Um, I mean, at that point, I forget. I can't. I can't even think about how old I was. But I was not. Uh, I was not yet thirty, and so yeah, sure to be to be in the company of uh, guys who were very well established in the business and uh, who shaped the business and continue to shape the business um, was yeah was a bit was a bit bizarre, um, and and. Uh, and you know, over the years, like, I mean, some of those people I've gotten to know a lot better. I'm in my outdoor office, by the way, so hopefully there's not much, too much noise, but, uh, you know, and, and then, and then what's, what's great about that is like, um, you know, several of those folks or, or other folks I've gotten to know really well over the years. And, um, it's, it's, it's really great when people you admire from afar or like even on television, and then you get to, you get to know them. And they're in person. They're uh, they're even even better than their public persona, uh, which is really rare. But so it's it's uh, it's been yeah fortunate and um, fun to get to do that over over the the course of a few years. It's been great. How did that dinner go? I'm fairly certain. Uh, I'm fairly certain it was fly on the wall. Uh, I do remember specifically being uh, uh, just flat out hazed later in the evening. Um, by Tim Brando and Mike Jaminski, uh, who Mike and I were then paired on the NCAA tournament together this year, and Tim has become a good friend over the years and um, likes to laugh about that. But yeah, and then um, you know, I think Seth Davis at some point uh, said it was like uh, when you send your cousin uh, to the door to look for Elijah at Passover meal <laughs> uh, that I was like the cousin at the dinner. Uh, and I'm not even Jewish, and I definitely got that. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was it. You know, there was it, it's it was definitely uh, and, and especially with with uh, Dick Enberg, you know, who is just all time uh, legend status. But Dick is just like he has a he has a very uh, he has a very like sharp uh, self effacing sense of humor, uh, and so it was really funny to actually just like. Laugh at, <laughs> laugh at Dick Enberg basically poking fun at himself, uh, and it continues to be. I mean, it's it, it's like I said that that's one of those things where you just go, man, this public persona, and oh my, and uh, all, all these great moments that you know, and then you're like, oh, I get it. Dick Enberg's just a really nice, uh, funny guy. Yeah, this is if if I had had dinner with this gentleman, and uh, you know, he wasn't Dick Enberg, I really would have enjoyed meeting this guy and and drinking a couple glasses of wine with him. And then, uh, and then, you know, to top that, it's like, oh, right, uh, this this uh, wonderfully charming gentleman who's uh, being so nice is uh, Dick Enberg. That's great. How do you get to that point? Because I, I imagine there is some sort of they they understand who you are. You're there to call the NCAA tournament, so there's some some sort of credibility that comes along with that as well. But I feel like like if I was sitting at that table. I I wouldn't know how to look at those guys that way, if that makes sense. Like, I would feel like I didn't belong and I'm looking up to them. How do you get to the point where kind of like you get accustomed to realizing that these are just people and you can treat them like colleagues and equals? It feels like is the wrong word, but 
but equals. Well, in short, I don't, I, I, I don't really know. Uh, uh, and, and, and still, you know, and still, and still doing that, you know, I will say, uh, I just more, more from like being around it. I, I, I mean, I'm sure I did this, but, um, uh, but I don't like one of the more awkward conversations I think like anyone has is like, uh, you know, so-and-so you don't remember me, but like <laughs> 12 years ago, like I handed you a stat sheet at a basketball game and, uh, you know, and you said, thank you. And I just always, and so I, I, I mean, while I, while I definitely have had those experiences, like now, now people I get to work with, uh, you know, it's like, Oh man, I re- I remember when Bill Raftery left the message on our answering machine when we were in college. Like, you know, I'm not necessarily going to be, you know, uh, leading, you know, leading with that to like make Bill feel, uh, you know, awkward or whatever. <laughs> you know, I think it's, I think it's more like, hey, just, uh, well, in Bill's case, it would be something along the lines of like, uh, yeah, Humpy, just uh, make sure the wine doesn't go dry, okay? Like, uh, worry about that sheet later. So. Uh, if only to get you to do a Bill Raftery impression again. Uh, what did he say on your voicemail in college? You know, I, my my ra- my Raftery impression is definitely rusty, and, and uh, I Ian's well, yeah, I I I doing Bill is uh, just is is a master, you know, is a masterpiece. Noted for, uh, for future podcasts, yeah. You know, I think um, I do remember this. I can't remember exactly what we had. Bill, um, Bill say on the answering machine, but you know, it was, so it was in college at Syracuse and I lived with two brothers who were actually from Syracuse, Derek and Chris Wallace and Derek and Chris were the type of guys who would do this stuff regularly. They would like, we, so in living together for, I guess a year and a half, we had, uh, Bill Raftery, George Steinbrenner and Kenny Maine. I think those are the three, um, who, who were our, our answering machine. So like you literally call them, and this is right around pre cell phone days, but you'd like call the, call the apartment. So the answering machine would be, you know, either Bill Raftery or George Steinbrenner. I was like, I George Steinbrenner, the New York Yankees, uh, Derek, Chris and Carter aren't here right now. So please leave a message. And How inevitably, did you get that? People, people, well, people would say on the George Steinbrenner and they go, yeah, I don't know who's supposed to be doing the George Steinbrenner impression, but that doesn't sound anything like it. Anyway, <laughs> Dave, uh, I got the biology notes. Call me back. Uh, well, mo- uh, most of those, I think, were um, snagged at Saratoga. Maybe even, maybe even Bill, because Bill's a big Saratoga guy. Uh, Kenny Maine, definitely. George Steinbrenner, definitely. And if I remember correctly, Derek had asked, you know, written down, a, Mr. Steinbrenner, will you brought it to the tape recorder to Saratoga? Mr. Steinbrenner, will you record this answering machine message, which he was a bit confused about. And so he he left a message for Derek, Chris, and Carter. And then Derek said, no, no, like when you call an answering machine, it's the outgoing message. He's like, oh, sure, sure, sure. So he did, he did two takes, George Steinbrenner did, which was obviously uh, generous of him, but also extremely gutsy of Derek to not only ask George Steinbrenner to do your answering machine message once, uh, but twice. Um and and also when Kenny Maine was the outgoing message, I, there was so I, Bob Costas was calling about something. This is in college, and uh, I'm sure I tried to line him up to like talk to him for a class or something like that. So it was it was it was a surreal message. Rather like get back to the apartment on Friday night, probably after calling a high school football game into a Radio Shack 
tape recorder <laughs> and like hit play on the answering machine. And it's like Carter, 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 having Kenny Maine man your message machine. Has it come to this? It's Bob Costas, Carter, uh, calling you back about so-and-so. I'd be happy to talk to you for that class. You know, we can arrange that, blah, blah, blah. But that was, that was a, uh, that that was a surreal that was a surreal moment, and I don't think I've ever met Kenny Mayne, So, uh, but appreciate his his answering machine services. I don't know where to go from that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I let, let's start at the beginning. Um, sure. <laughs> how did you uh, how did you get where you're at? Obviously, you went to Syracuse. You graduated from Syracuse, and I know you went to ISP now. IMG. Mm-hmm. What took you from being were you doing kind of updates and hosting and that kind of stuff? And, and what leads you from that to, uh, to CSTV and, and on down the line? Well, my, um, I actually, and I, I mean this only half joking, like one of the best jobs I'll ever have was uh, when I was in high school working in Kerrville, Texas, which is west of San Antonio, small town, but 20, big, big enough that the local, the local high school sports are on the AM radio station, right? So, uh, but, you know, small town enough where that would still happen. Um, and so in, in high school, I started working eight, the AM station after I got cut from all my sports teams, I did like sports on the AM and then some like country music DJing on the FM, um, uh, K E R V A M and K R V L FM. Uh, and so that was like, Oh, okay. Well, uh, you know, this is, this is, this is fun and something I'm going to pursue. And I kind of thought I was going to do sports casting before that. So that was like, High school is when I started doing it, then college, and then ISP. When I was in college, I worked for Syracuse uh, Radio Network, which was a part of ISP, and so then went to work full-time in Winston-Salem for ISP that's now part of IMG. That's not enough uh, uh, letters. Um, And then, yeah, it was was jack-of-all-trades, mostly radio production, and then to sweeten the pot, they threw in... Uh, as part of the job, part of the production job, it was you get to do select Wake Forest women's basketball and Wake Forest baseball, mostly on the internet. Uh, and that was that was the that was to sweeten the pot on what might, you know, uh, entice me or somebody else to go after the job. But there's a little bit of everything. It was loading, load, you know, new, new Bud Light ad comes out, and you've got to switch it out for the two lane coaches show on Wednesday. It's like, yeah. then you, you, and then you run the, uh, run the formats again and all that. But it was, it was, it was, a, it was a fantastic place to work. A group of people I'm still friends with today in touch with regularly. How'd you go from that to, uh, to actually more on air stuff? I, while I was in Winston Salem, I got to do some freelance stuff for Fox sports South, uh, including, the highly coveted uh, NBDL regional package. Yes. Uh, Sunday afternoon, some of it tape delay um, opposite the NFL playoffs. So big, big ratings for the you know, <laughs> North Charleston Logators and the Mobile Revelers on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, but it was, it was, I, I got to do some of that. And it was a classic. Um, and then I pieced together, you know, a tape out of out of this TV stuff. Like the and the NBDL thing was kind of, kind of fell in my lap and went away after one year. Like that was that was a very important um, 
that was a very important early uh, moment because what little what little I was getting paid to do in BDL games, it was still like money. Yeah, and it was like, man, this is this is going to be great. I'm just going to, you know, in a couple of years, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be cranking out uh, 40, 50, 60 events, and uh, things will be good. And then like. After 12 NBDL games, uh, they were like, yeah, the package isn't coming back next year, and we don't have anything else for you, so sorry. Uh, so that was, a, that, was a very, that was a very early lesson in uh, the uh, leading world of sports television. CSTV comes along. Uh, I guess how do, you, how do you fall up? I guess they take away the D-League, and then, then uh, CSTV comes around, and, and I guess is the rest history kind of from there in some respects? Mm. Most of that credit goes to Gideon Cohen, super agent, if management. Uh, Gideon, uh, so Gideon and I were in college together at Syracuse, and then um, Gideon went to work for if management, and and then uh, became my agent, and still is my agent. And um, and so when CSTV started, oh three, like oh two and oh three. They hired Gideon to uh, help staff the network on air. So uh, the fact that I had been Gideon's friend and client, um, basically me and some others, uh, our tapes just walked in the door with Gideon. And then there were several other connections um, that you know helped get my name to some of the people who were making these decisions at CSTV and. Um, yet another lesson, I think like that spring I'd really pushed it hard and they were like, Hey, yeah, uh, maybe if we have some stuff in the fall, that's in your area of North Carolina, we might use you, but we're good for now. Uh, and I pursued a couple other jobs in the meantime. Um, uh, there's, there's one sidelight there, but, um, when, 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 when a guy in Lubbock, Texas, who was trying to hire me for a radio job suggested that for extra income I run a whorehouse uh, and that and that's no lie that's no lie <laughs> I don't um, even know how you like I, I'm trouble like I'm trying to figure out how to get into the TV business let alone how to run a brothel like right that seems like I where do you start with I that ask, I didn't ask any follow-up questions <laughs> I really didn't I just kind of talked it up to that so shortly shortly after that job fell through the Lubbock Texas one uh, CSTV called back and was like hey uh we're interested in you doing our football package. Are you available? I'm like, yeah, of course, absolutely. And that allowed me to, that, I mean, that was, that, that was out of, um, out of thin air really was um, full-time TV play-by-play. And so uh, I got to do that way earlier than I ever anticipated and uh, have been very fortunate to be able to continue doing that uh, and, uh, so it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, a uh, that was an education. CSTV was kind of like grad school for a lot of us where you're, you're young, you're young in the business. And I can tell you decidedly in 2003, 2004, 2005, there were not that many people watching one double A football and Ivy league basketball on CSTV. So it was, it was low pressure, get your reps in, figure out how to do it. And, uh, and that's that's what we did. If you can look back at like twenty six year old Carter, um, were there things that you said like I made this tweak or I made this improvement? I mean, 
things that you worked on a lot back in those days that helped get you to where you are now, if that makes sense. Uh, sure. I mean, I, I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's figuring out what the headlines are. You know, I, I, I certainly remember early on when doing like TV football play by play and it's, um, I would tell people like you prepare out of fear, which is still, which is still largely the case, but you know, it was like this, um, this freshman wide receiver who doesn't have a catch all year long. I need to know his background so that if he makes a catch in the end zone to win the game, like I know something about him. And while that is, that is, that's great. And it would be great to have something on every single player. Like, um, if, if you're doing, you know, two years ago, now he's retired, but if two years ago, you're doing Patriots versus Broncos. What are you going to be talking about? You're going to be talking about Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. So, uh, while it is great to have every single nugget on every single guy, you know, who your stars are, you know, who your headliners are. And if you are, if you are spending energy on every, every bit of the minutiae, and even worse, if you're trying to get that minutia into the game to show that you did your preparation or, hey, I, you may have the most interesting story in the world about the backup weak side linebacker. But if that guy doesn't play or if he's not a, if he's not important to the game, you're you're by jamming that in, you're you're taking the focus away from probably where it should be. So that's still it's still a. You know, that's still a work in progress, and that's still one of those, you know, one of those those tweaks you continually make. Um, but that's that, that's one of them. How do you approach your prep that way, too? I, one of the things that I started to do, I don't know, probably two years ago, and make a really conscious effort toward, was I want this four hours to be a story, basically. And I, I want to be able to create some sort of story arc. Um, Mm -hmm. and this is what it is at the beginning and wherever it goes, that's where we'll go. But Mm -hmm. there were times where I would finish a game and be like, I feel like we threw information out there and I feel like everybody knew what happened, but I don't know if I told a story. Um, right. How do you approach it from the standpoint of coming in or I don't know, maybe, maybe you do it completely differently, um, of saying, this is what our story arc is going to be. And then, I mean, the game will obviously dictate if that changes, but this is, this is the key thing we want to hit. These are the key points we want to hit. And this is how we're going to carry that throughout uh, if the game so supports it. Sure. I mean, I think in number one, like sports, live sports TV is very much, a, it's a team sport. It's a very collaborative effort. There's, um, there's, there's no possible way to do it well otherwise. Uh, so it really, it really does have to be a uh, cohesive, uh, you know, cohesive unit to, to figure those things out. Hence, Hence why I have a production meeting and I use the Brady versus um, Manning example, because that is one of the things I, I will bring up in a production meeting. Like, yes, we have all of these interesting stories, but here's the guy on this team who's going to be a first round draft pick next year. And here's the guy on the other team who, you know, uh, it, you know, he's, he's the quarterback who had a great sophomore year. He got injured as a junior. Now he's back as a senior. Is he going to be good? You know, so that there, you know, so there. Let's not lose sight of um, these are the stars, and and again, like uh, just filling it down exactly. To, to what what are the he- what are the big headlines of this game? And, and then, as you said, you have to then realize when that headline changes. 
Uh, and I think it, it, broadly in sports TV, there's a lot of time spent on like the open because it's the, it's the, it's the three minutes out of a broadcast or whatever it is that you can script. And the next three hours is totally unscripted. So sometimes people focus on the three minutes you can script. Um, but it is a helpful, it is a helpful guideline for, all right, let's figure out what, what is important in this game. And, and then, then when it turns on its head and, and the guy who hasn't caught a ball all year, uh, suddenly, you know, has four touchdowns then then you better pivot to the guy who, you, you know, his story, um, and go from there. So, the, and that's obviously, that's one of the funnest parts about it is you, you don't know what is going to happen. I was going to come back to this later, but you mentioned opens. So I want to divert there and then we'll take another path. Um, I want to throw this out there, and I don't know if it's putting too much out there about myself, but I got a critique. I sent some stuff out to somebody, and they sent me back this literally yesterday, and I wanted to run it by you. On cameras were awkward, though I thought the last couple were better than the first. Summy did better at talking to his partner as opposed to staring at the camera. I I mean, I guess I know how to take that. Um, But... the comfort level of like the, you talk about the open and, and, and there's, a, I don't want to say pressure, but a lot of people put pressure on the open because I guess it's the scripted segment and you're on camera and, mm-hmm. and I'm always like, when we do it, like I'm sitting there before we start, I'm like tugging at my sleeves making sure I'm okay. Like I'm sitting up in a way that I never sit up in my entire life. So it probably looks sure. stiff and awkward, but how do you balance all those things yourself when you go into, all right, uh, I want to look natural. Sure. Yeah. It's, Good, good, uh, good, good question. I think I, I mean, especially stretching back over the years, like I probably received, yeah, more advice and more contradictory advice about <laughs> that kind of stuff than like anything else. Uh, I, I do keep, uh, actually have some old VHS tapes from when I like recorded them off of WG and cable, um, that are fun to pop in, um, of, you know, the Harry Carey, Steve Stone Cubs broadcast. So, and yes, I do have a VCR still attached to my television as part of my entertainment system. Wait, wait, wait. attached to your television? Well, I mean, it, it's it cabled in. You know? Okay, it's, I, it's, I just wanted right. to make sure you didn't you have know? an all-in-one still. Yeah. No, no, no. Although that is a good idea. That's a, <laughs> that's a, that is a very, very good idea. Uh, you could get if if you could get one that doesn't have Harry and the Henderson stuck in it permanently. Um, but uh, but watch, watch some of Harry Carey's on cameras, and while Harry is probably an example of a guy who broke every rule in the business, uh, and yet was one of the all-time greats. I mean, there there are moments when Harry, you know, says the uh, uh, Stony Paul Osselbacher has been great. And then Steve Stone looks at the camera and Harry just begins to look at God knows what. He's just drifting, just drifting in space. And it's impossible not to just, what the hell is Harry looking at? Uh, so all it is to say, yeah, you could, you could really, you could really nail your on cameras and do it absolutely technically perfectly, uh, where any, any Hollywood, uh, stage director would be appreciative. And they're probably still not going to be as good as Harry Carey with just <laughs> smacking his lips and looking down at, you know, who knows what. Maybe, maybe he's looking down at a, at a VHS playing on the attached television to, you know, by his right knee. Um, 
but it's it's I I do think I do think that um there there is an there is an element of uh when you're on camera for the brief periods you know you're doing you're doing a little pop there there's an element that um it is style as much as substance if not style over substance because uh it it, it is truly one of those things where you just want to you just want to look uh, relaxed and like you're having a good time at the game. There's nothing. There's nothing worse than, uh, you know, you, you you turn on a game and and here's somebody who's uh, just looks terribly awkward, and you're like, oh man, I got to spend three hours listening to this guy. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't want to do that. Uh, so you know, I think that's what it's 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 fun. Uh, yeah, and it's it's an opportunity to, you know, to. To relax, I will say this. Here, here's here's a, here's a broadcasting tip of something that I try. I really try consciously to do. The national anthem typically comes, obviously, at the beginning of the game, um, but it, it it comes in this time where there there's there's always like some kind of nervous energy lead up. Even if you're calm, the, the there's something going on in the truck. The your broadcast partner is is upset about the Wi-Fi doesn't work. Like there's some there's always something. Uh, and so then typically you have a national anthem, which is, which is the perfect time. I mean, I, I, I take off the headset, I put my hand over my heart, I breathe deep, I look at the flag. Uh, and it's, it's just such a reminder of, um, just how great, uh, these opportunities are. And so what if the Wi-Fi doesn't work in the arena? Like you, you, you get to, you get to sit there and talk about sports for the next couple hours Hopefully then, hopefully then, when they pop the camera on, even if you do go Harry Carey googly eyed and start staring uh, at something off camera uh, while your partner's talking, then it 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 won't matter as much. How did you develop that that comfort overall? I mean, even before I mean before you're taking the break during the anthem. I mean, I put on a radio headset. The nerves kicked in in a different way. And I don't know if it's mm-hmm. like you're not in control of everything, so it's weird or like there's just a nervous. I don't know if you're you're thinking too much about everything. I, I got to make sure I talk less. I got to make sure I do this. I got to make sure I do that. Developing that comfort of being in that medium, uh, how long did that take for you? Uh, good good question. It um, I think it took a while, and it still is. I don't get to do. I haven't since since I haven't been in the ESPN world the last couple of years. I haven't done any radio, um, and maybe I maybe I'd like to do some more. But it was always it was always a lot of fun. Um, the couple of times I'd get to do radio during the season um, with ESPN, because like you said, it is, it is just a more relaxed um, medium. And it is, uh, I won't say it's, it's not, a, <laughs> it's more of an individual sport, but it is, it's more of an individual sport. It's like being on a basketball team and being a golfer, you know, um, you, 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 you have, you take all the control and all the blame when you're playing golf. Um, but I, I think, um, it, per, per the discussion about CSTV, it was doing, it was doing it a lot when there wasn't, um, a lot of pressure and there wasn't a lot of eyeballs. Um, and you know, I mean, there's certainly, certainly times where I think, especially as part of like the team dynamic, if, if something is, um, askew, like production wise, um, or, you know, something like that where you don't feel comfortable, 
that that is still that is still a big challenge to um, pretend that you're comfortable when you may not be, um, and and that's there's a there's a uh, Dick, Dick Enberg told me at one point don't don't be afraid to act. Sometimes you sometimes you have to be a bit of an actor, um, and and I think that's that's one of those that's one of those situations where uh, hey things aren't things aren't going according to plan or the, or in some cases they just aren't going well, but you're, uh, you know, you're, you're on the stage, um, as it were, and you've got the microphone and you've got to pretend like things are going well and you are in command, uh, and, you know, and, and, and present that convincingly. So that's still, that that's, I think that's still, that, that can still be a challenge for sure. What do you like about a Carter Blackburn broadcast? Oh man, <laughs> when it's over, uh, <laughs> um, I will, an, another, uh, another piece of the puzzle that I think maybe I've evolved into, um, um, I, I do really consider it like a, like a, a privilege to, um, work with the people I get to work with. I mean, I, I if I'm in football, I mean, my regular partner is Aaron Taylor, who in addition to being one of the um, best guys you'll ever know in your life was a tremendous offensive lineman. Um, and modern day Notre Dame, Green Bay Packers was, was his, uh, it's not too shabby, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, uh, ultimate football, all, all it is to say in basketball and I'm working with Pete Gillen and Mike Kaminsky, and Bill Raftery and, uh, Steve Lapis and, you know, all, all the people I get to work with, it's like, I, I get to sit there at a game and uh, learn from them. So um, I would say that I would say one of my goals is always to learn about the game from the people that I'm working with. And if I'm learning about the game, then hopefully that is being presented to the viewer as well. Uh, and that's that's uh, that's what I that's what I would strive for. And you know, and a big part of that is also knowing like um, my. my my credibility about my my opinion about whether a team should go for it on fourth and one is um, minuscule compared to who I'm who I'm sitting next to, um, and so well well I may well well if I, if I was in the stands I may be yelling something about whether they should go for it on fourth and one but that's not that is that is not my role um, so I I enjoy you know I, I enjoy I enjoy getting to sit at a game with with an expert and, uh, and, and watch the game and talk about it. And that's, uh, that in its, in its own simplicity is, um, major, major part of the job. I think. Is there something you don't like even now that, that you, you look back at and go, gosh, I wish I could fix this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> for sure. I, yeah, I've got, I've got, I got point. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you, um, one example that I've, that there wasn't an A plus on my own report card was I, I had the greatest comeback in college basketball history, Northern Iowa over Texas A and M, and for a variety of reasons, um, I didn't, I don't, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't love, I didn't love the way I, uh, I didn't, I didn't think I nailed it, or I was late on it a little bit, and 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 that was for a variety of factors, but not the least of which is for. Well, let's see if a regulation basketball game is 40 minutes for, for 38 minutes, 
it was a pretty boring game in a pretty boring arena. Um, you know, I mean, the, the A&M, A&M fans were, you know, famously leaving because, because their team was down by 14 points with 37 seconds to go and no team ever had ever pulled that off. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely one where when I went back and listened to it, I'm like, man, I wish I would have wished I would have given it more punch right there. Um, so, you know, there, there's, there's lots of, again, it's, it's, the self-evaluation has always been a big part of it for me, and that 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 continues. Although then there's <laughs> then there's there's also the performance side of it where you just have to go, all right, well, moving on. You know, there'll there'll be another greatest comeback of all time, maybe. <laughs> I'll leave you on this note because I I don't want to take too much more of your time. But on on that note, when you go back and watch stuff back, what do you look for? most when you watch things back what's most important to you as far as i need to make sure i did this and i need to make sure that i'm not doing this i think it's probably hmm, finding the uh finding the right balance of moments um which is which is a pretty that's pretty that's pretty vague um and subjective but i think that's accurate cuz it's like was i Teeing up my partner uh, or bringing my partner out when I should have been doing that? Was I making you know a, a big call when I should have been in that moment? Uh, was I you know transitioning from a um, promo for Scorpion into uh, it's Oscar Robertson Day at the University of Cincinnati? Did I do that well? You know those. And that's that's a that's a mix of a mix of skills. I mean, I, I think it's it's sometimes been uh, described, I think, pretty accurately as you know, you're you're a uh, you're a pitcher who needs to mix in your pitches. Uh, you you gotta you gotta know when to throw the four seamer. Uh, you gotta know when to uh, throw the change up or a strike. Um, those types of things. So I, I think I, I think I kind of evaluate it in that way. Like, oh man, was I I, I didn't I didn't I didn't throw the right pitch there. Uh, or I did throw the right pitch there, or um, something, <clears throat> something along those lines. Which again is very vague and subjective, but uh, I, I, I think uh, I think subjective is a good way to describe this business. Tell the uh, tell the people at home where they can find you, how they can follow you, uh, where they can watch you, Twitter. Well, let's see. You. Uh, <clears throat> you won't be able to find me all summer long uh, unless you're uh, you know scouting around Austin, Texas, but. Um, <laughs> In which at case, call Carter, the cops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At Carter CBS is um, uh, that's my that's my Twitter handle. And if you're really interested in conversations with Texas musicians, you can check out the Pick Up the Tempo podcast, where I'm interviewing Texas musicians. But really, you'd have to be a you'd have to be a pretty hardcore Texas music fan. I didn't know you did um, that. Yeah, you'd have to be pretty hardcore to, to dive into. Uh, you know, half an hour with um, Ray Wiley Hubbard um, or the like, but yeah, it's fun. That's that's been that's been that's been that's been something fun I've been doing uh, in the uh, in the non-traveling season. I don't call it the off season. There's still plenty of work to be done, but it is the time where I don't have to uh, get on an airplane on a regular basis and and get to uh, get to reconnect. So well, it feels good, Carter. I appreciate the time and uh, thank you for being the first on here. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, let me, you know, 
let me let me be the first to congratulate you when episode 500 comes around. And it's a <laughs> cavalcade of Emmy winning stars there to congratulate you on uh, on a successful podcast. I'll I'll, I'll make, hopefully you'll let me back in there. So that's far. like 10 years of podcasts. That's podcasts aren't. <laughs> it's not going to exist in 10 years. No, we're no, not going to have I'm, phones. I'm, it's going to be in your head. Yeah, I'm, like. I'm positive you'll transition to the next stage of media uh, and that you'll do it as well as I have with my VCR of Harry Carey tapes. Many thanks to Carter, as always, for being our first guest, being our guinea pig again uh, here on the podcast. And I know you're already listening to a podcast because uh, this is one and you you can still hear this. So uh, go to search. Don't turn your phone off or whatnot. Go to the search feature on iTunes or Stitcher or whatnot. Pick up the tempo podcast. Pick up the tempo. Uh, you don't have to be a big Texas music fan. It's just if you like music, and you like good interviews. Uh, Carter does a good job. I went back and caught the most recent one. They're not long either. 25, 30 minutes. Check them out. Pick up the tempo podcast. Uh, if you're driving around, if you drive a lot, uh, if you just have some time to listen to things while you're doing prep, uh, check out Carter's podcast. He was kind enough to join us. So uh, we'll give him the, the bonus plug on there as well. Uh, it's good stuff and uh, support how he helps pass his time over the summer as well. If you enjoyed uh, this edition of play-by-play cast as well, maybe you want to hold off judgment. Very cool. Uh, But if you enjoyed it, please go ahead, uh, rate it, review it, uh, all those types of things. Get in touch with us again. You can text me. Uh, you can tweet me. Uh, I don't know if I'm giving up my phone number on the, on the podcast yet. Uh, you can tweet me, though, at Joel Godet, J-O-E-L-G-O-D-E-T-T, uh, or you can use the hashtag PXPCast uh, for any comments, questions, concerns, all those types of things. Uh, but if you rate us, if you review us, if you give, give us some stars, throw some stars our way, uh, I guess that helps with iTunes, makes it easier to search, puts us to the top of lists, all that type of stuff. Uh, we're one podcast in, so I get it if you don't want to do it so far. Uh, but just in the future... Uh, subscribe, download, rate, review, all those things certainly help. A lot of good guests booked in the future. Uh, really excited where this thing can go. So I'm very excited to have uh, the three of you listening on board. And uh, if you have a friend, tell them. They can tell their friend. Then hopefully there'll be nine of us uh, by the time this podcast is like 17 episodes deep. Looking forward to it. Uh, thank you for joining us here on the inaugural one. Uh, they are playing the go-home music, though, so i got to get on out of here. But we will talk to you next week. Until then, Jowski. And that will do it from St. Louis, where the score is inconclusive.